welcome to the Cybersecurity Authors in Australia Get Together session. So I'm really excited to have like, a lot of big names here in the house today and we're going to go one round for self-introduction. So we'll start off first with Phil. Maybe can you introduce yourself and also the title of the book that you've written? Yeah, thank you Charmaine. I am um, Zongo. I'm one of the directors at the Cyber Leadership Institute with my business partners Darren Agao and Jan Schroeder. Basically, we train aspire existing CISOs uh, in leadership and influencing skills so that they can uh, you know, be better at what they do. Um, I am also the author of The Five Anchors of Cyber Resilience, which is a book that strips away the complexity of cybersecurity and passes on practical guidance to senior business leaders. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks, Phil. Over to you, Craig. Hi, everyone. I'm, I'm Craig Ford. I'm the author of A Hacker I Am book and more recently, The Hacker I Am Volume 2. Um, during my day job, I'm a senior cybersecurity engineer and a unit coordinator for Western Sydney University. Very nice. And to our other panel speaker, Amanda Jane Turner. Mandy, would you introduce yourself? Hi, Charmaine. Hi, everyone. Um, I am the manager of the University of Queensland Cybersecurity Operations Centre, and I'm also an adjunct lecturer um, with the criminology people at UQ. I have written Unmasking the Hacker Demystifying Cybercrime. I've also written and illustrated a colouring book, Mothers of Invention, Women in Tech, and I will be publishing another book soon in July. Oh, fantastic. Very, very excited. And yeah, Mandy was telling me some really interesting things about her journey earlier, but we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, okay, so for me, I'm the host for today. My name is Charmaine Tan. I'm also the executive advisor for our APEC relations for Privasec, which is an Australian and Singapore cybersecurity consulting firm. Um, at that aside, I'm the founder of Cyber Risk Meetup, which is a lovely community of all cyber risk leaders across Australia, Singapore, and Japan. And I also produce podcasts, um, which is called the Mega C Suite Stories. In fact, today's session will be on the podcast as well. So for all the audio lovers, you can catch up on that. And we will also be on YouTube, the YouTube channel. So you can look for us on Cyber Risk Meetup YouTube channel. But um, I'm also the author of Cyber Risk Leaders. So really excited to uh, have lots of good conversations today. So without further ado, um, actually, just something that a friend told me that I thought would be really nice to share with everyone. Um, he, he was sharing about, um, he attended my book launch and he was congratulating me the other time. Um, this was sometime last year. And he shared that he's visited the JFK Presidential Library in Boston recently. And he saw a note that JF Kennedy wrote to Nixon after JFK defeated Nixon in the 1960s uh, presidential campaign. And he said to Nixon that writing a book was a great advantage and it gave JFK an edge as someone who was disciplined and intellectual. So here I have with me this incredible group of people who have actually written the book. And so we're gonna kick off with addressing some of the questions that our community has been asking us. Uh, asking us. So the first question, you know, Craig, maybe you can start off, you know, you have an interesting story to share about how you actually begin your writing journey. Do you want to tell us all about this? Sure. Um, I guess it probably started, I would say, probably around three years ago now. Um, 
I had a sort of a few opinions I wanted to sort of share. So I sort of reached out to CSO online who sort of allowed me to publish a few of my stories and sort of just spread some of my opinion. But um, it was probably more probably two years ago. Um, it was actually a conversation with Amanda Jane um, saying that she liked my articles and that I should turn that sort of style into a book. So thanks to Amanda, I've written these sort of books. So, um, but yeah, that's how my writing sort of started and I quite enjoyed it. So I've um, written two now, which is pretty fun. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Awesome. Phil. Uh, my writing story started, yes, at the uh, end of 2014, and I was working as a technology risk manager at uh, one of Australia's largest financial institutions. I was pretty much fed up by being, you know, mediocre uh, with what I did. You know, I was doing well, uh, looking from the outside, but I felt like I could push myself. And uh, the primary motivator for me is I wanted to differentiate myself so from the masses, and I like the statement that you just quoted from JFK, and I thought that, you know, if I sharpened my business writing skills, I would be able to differentiate myself because in IT, we generally struggle to write. So that's when I, you know, that's what motivated me, and I started writing some long forms and uh, started publishing articles on cloud computing, machine learning, and yeah, that's what really ignited my my marketing journey. So ever since, I've never looked back. Wow, and are you going to start writing a second book soon? Uh, I already started writing my second book. I've written uh, uh, 59,000 words already on my wow. second book. And uh, I've already gotten a literary agent because I, I want to publish with the big five publishers. So I'm, I'm already out there. You know, I write every day for me to, to write is to die. So it's just become part of my DNA now. So wow. I never look back. Yeah, well, there you go. Like the first book is always the hardest to start. But once you start it, you know, you are inspired to keep on going. And as you say, you know, start small, like every day, just write a little bit, a little bit, because I think we have some interested writers as well in the audience. And that was one of the questions they were asking, like, how do you start? You know, it seems very daunting, right? But if you just do it a little bit every day, you eventually get there. And Mandy, I think it's amazing to hear from Craig that you, you know, really encouraged him and inspired him in his writing journey. How does it feel to know that? <laughs> you know, look, look at that, one of the finished product, I would say. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I'm happy that, that Craig took my advice, which isn't always that good. But in this case, it turned out well. Um, <laughs> I actually started writing and drawing comics and things when I was a teenager and I was published then. Um, and I've always wanted to write a novel, but I realised that there was a gap in cybercrime and cybersecurity information. And I keep talking to people who keep going, there's a divide between techies and non-techies and that books are either very academic or very technical, but they're too hard to read and too hard to understand. So perhaps similar to how Craig wrote his articles for CSO Online and his Hacker I Am books, there is a need for plain English for people to actually understand things without jargon. And so mm. I want to write it for that reason. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of like being in this community as well, right? It shows that 
there's so much to learn from everyone. And, you know, as we are just encouraging each other and we get to be part of their journey, right? And to see how they're contributing back to the community now. And even yourself, like using all your different passion and skills to put that into a book, into comics and things like that to really just share that with the rest of our industry. It's, it's inspiring. And uh, for myself, like, you know, how I've gotten into this, um, I think for me, it's always just a childhood dream. I've always wanted to write a book since young. I just didn't know what sort of book I'll be writing. And um, as part of like the work I've been doing and just being so embedded in the industry and community, I find that there's a lot of amazing lessons that we can learn from the people who have gone ahead of us. And it's just, a, you know, life is an onward learning journey. And I just feel like, you know, it's so rich, like this experience that our industry leaders have. And I want to share that with everyone else because, you know, we don't want to learn from our own mistakes. We rather learn from the mistakes of others and just grow upwards from there. So that actually just inspired me to why not, you know, put all of that together, extract that insights out and then put it into a book so it can be used as a conversation starter for like aspiring CEI, um, CISOs or current CISOs or even the next generation leaders or even just new people to our industry because there's so much we can learn. Yeah, so that's how I actually started. And uh, all right, I want to hear also from the rest of you. Um, you know, like the imposter syndrome is a very real thing. And, you know, Craig, you and I were talking about it before as well. And it's it's something that, um, yeah, people do struggle that, with that. Um, the feeling of, you know, sometimes you, you are criticizing yourself, you're listening more to your inner voice, or you're too conscious about, the criticism from others that it pulls you back and compels you from moving forward or trying new things. So how do you guys deal with that when you are even in your writing journey or just thinking about publishing the book or even in your current careers, right? How do you all deal with the imposter syndrome? Can you share some tips that you've gone about this? Free for all. Well yep. <laughs> yeah? um, I actually wrote about it in my second book. Um, it's something that I personally suffer from a little bit. I think it's, it's sort of good though. We sort of got to push ourselves a little bit to sort of go past that and just sort of just continue working. And yeah, we, we all have those little voices saying, you know, does people really want to listen to this? Do they really want to read my stuff? But I think we all have something to share. I think just give it a go, reach out, talk to people, write what you want to write, give your opinions. And yeah, it's not as scary as it sounds. It's um, worked out pretty well for me. I, I, I quite enjoy the writing and I like sharing my opinions and um, mm -hmm. I hope people like reading my stuff. So, yeah, I think um, anyone else have anything else to add to that? Yeah, well, imposter syndrome, um, it's not a new concept and it's its being talked about a lot these days. But um, I remember reading a peer-reviewed article. It was from research done in, I think, either 1980 or 81. It discussed a perceived fraudulence in young adults. And it actually questioned, was there an imposter syndrome because of it? And there was a lot of research in it. There's actually imposter phenomenon scales where people can see how much of an imposter syndrome they have, including the Clark's imposter scale, the Harvey imposter scale, they're from the 80s. Um, there's a perceived fraudulent scale from 1991. So it's definitely a real thing. And there's been lots and lots of research in it. There's also a link between imposter syndrome and high achievers and people with low self-esteem. And I think that anyone that has managed to write a book would be a high achiever. And low self-esteem is also not just linked to, to people who've had bad upbringings or bad lives, but also to high achievers because you can never please yourself. You always think what you do is not good enough. 
And like Craig said, I think you just go and do it. What has helped me a lot, particularly in publishing this book, is that um, my husband keeps me honest and he's probably in the room laughing at me right now. But um, uh -huh. when I don't believe in myself, he can believe in me for me and my wow. peers and my teams. So I currently have a wonderful team and a, and a really lovely manager at UQ and they help me and, and my peers at UQ, they help me, they help me believe in myself because if I don't believe in myself, they do. And mm -hmm. I think that's important too. So people you respect, if they believe in what you do, then you just forget your own imposter syndrome and go, okay, I don't believe in myself, but these other people do. So I'll live up to what they believe in. Thanks, Mandy. That's beautiful. Phil, anything to add? Yeah, uh, so for me, it's it's been a journey and um, there's few principles that I, I abide by that have helped me so much. And uh, one thing for me is fear itself is not necessarily a bad thing because as long as you're willing to step out of the comfort zone, you're always going to be afraid. And um, now I actually enjoy doing things that I'm scared of. And it's not just running, you know, for me, it's a concept that we call social signaling, where it's much easier to do stuff when there are people who look like you, who are doing what you aspire to do. And, uh, you know, being an in, in, uh, African-Australian here, it just makes me, you know, I, I am definitely a minority. And uh, the first steps are really hard. So for mm. me, it's not just about writing, you know, it's about three, four years ago when I was invited to come and speak at the, you know, my first cybersecurity conference. And I was really scared. I, I, I always tell people, you know, my, my heart was beating faster than the PH engine because I've been attending these conferences before and I was the only African uh, Australian at the conference, let alone going up there on the stage and starting to speak. But for me, fear is not a bad thing because it forces me to prepare even harder. So I had blogging about the topic that I was supposed to talk about. I wrote about it on LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of people commented and provided feedback. My thought process, you know, really refined. And then I just went there and I, I spoke. And, you know, three weeks later, I got an email from the organizer saying your sessions were the highest rate across the conference. So, you know, that by itself gave me a lot of confidence to say, you know, if, if, if I listen to my inner voice and uh, definitely if you're doing something like writing a cybersecurity book, you are definitely being vulnerable because people can come out and give you really bad reviews. They can say whatever they want. But one thing that I've learned also over the years is people are not as bad as we think. You know, for me, my book has been positively embraced by people all over the world. The feedback on Amazon, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's glowing. And, um, but it is those inner voices that we have to deal with. So fear is not a bad thing. You just have to be able to mute your fears and, and, and take that vital first step. Because once you take the first step, everything else becomes magical. I love that, I love that. I really appreciate how all of you are being so real. In your journey um, because it is something that everyone face and perhaps it's like what Mandy said in different level you know different scale as well like for me I 
it's funny because people don't believe it now when I tell them, but I, I've been an introvert, right? And I used to be so like, I always get nervous before I do any public speaking or go even for just a meeting, a meeting with a, a new person for a client meeting. I get really nervous and the audience adrenaline is pumping and I, I'm probably overthinking a lot. And it's very uncomfortable for me, but I'm quite similar to you Phil, where I've learned to just put myself in any uncomfortable situation because I feel that it actually sharpens me. It helps me learn more about myself, um, about people. And it's just about pushing past like the voices in our heads and in our thoughts telling us, you know, if any, I think we are usually our harshest critic. And, you know, I gave a recent, uh, actually before the COVID, so um, I gave a TEDx talk. And again, that was one of my childhood dreams to be able to do that. And the talk was on the very same title, which is um, the imposter syndrome, but of the tall poppies. <laughs> you know, in Australia, we have the tall poppy syndromes and all. But I'm just trying to illustrate that no matter which stage you are at, you will all, most people will still battle with this uh, imposter syndrome. And, you know, people have been telling me like, maybe I should just wait till I'm like, good enough before I start doing something or start putting myself out there. But the way I see it, like if we keep waiting, we'll keep saying no to any opportunities and we will deprive ourselves of growing, right? But as long as we keep saying yes to any opportunities and you know, um, putting ourselves out there, that's how we can really grow. And every one of you have a very unique story. So I feel like we shouldn't discredit that, discredit our experience. You know, there's always something we can add value to people. So um, that encouraged me in my own journey to just push past the voices in my head, put myself out there. I know there will be, you know, everyone has opinion, right? So there's usually like a good opinion that encourage you. And well, like what Mandy says, surround yourself with good people who can sharpen you. But at the same time, be open to the feedback. You know, whether it's constructive feedback or criticism, take the things that you can learn and use it to just develop yourself further. And when you have that mindset, um, yeah, that that actually helps you to, I, mean, I think before you know it, you look back and you realize, wow, all the little baby steps that you have taken and it has brought you to the right direction. And now you have taken a giant leap forward. So that's uh, my story of uh, <laughs> how I just had to learn to do that. And yeah, it's been an incredible journey and we are still going through that every day. So on to, uh, I hope that actually answers a few of the audience questions. Um, on to another thing that I want to talk about is like, I think it's good to share with the audience, right? Some of the key insights that the readers, because we have so many different books and different um, focus of the books. Uh, what are the key insights that the readers can take away from your book? Who wants to go first? <laughs> Me? <laughs> I think probably out of my first book, I probably focus a lot more on the getting into the cybersecurity industry, at least initially in the first half of the book with sort of, in my opinion, I think there's usually a lot of knockbacks and things like that. And it's sort of hard to get into our industry. So I think you just got to keep pushing forward and sort of just keep going at it. If you're sort of keen to get into the industry, yeah, just don't give up, just keep pushing forward. I think that's probably the biggest thing in my first book um, that I sort of went through quite a lot. And then just sort of some general about IoT and some of the security risks and tried to make my sort of books as, as like Amanda said, as sort of less technical as possible, make it sort of nice and easy to read. Um, mm. I actually got called, um, it was called A Toilet Book by Garrett O'Hara from Mimecast. Oh, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> the last time we had a talk. But, 
Um, it's actually a good basically point. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was caught me off surprise when he said it, but yeah, it actually makes sense. The, the short, easy little chapters you can read in any order. So it's, um, yeah, it's a good little quick read sort of book, but uh, that's enough about my book. I think someone else can have a bit of a chat. <laughs> you should stock it up in the toilet, right? <laughs> if we <Yeah>. don't have <laughs> one, yeah. But congratulations also, Craig. You just launched a second book. So that's an amazing Thank achievement. So, yeah, well done. Phil, Andy, who wants to go next? I'll go. Okay, so my first book, as I said earlier, there was a need for cybercrime awareness. So um, Craig is more from a cybersecurity perspective, but mine is more from a cybercrime perspective, and I think in a way they complement each other. Um, so I wanted people to understand that having the hackers and hoodies idea, it's a damaging stereotype. I believe thinking that all cybercrime is committed by hackers and hoodies is detrimental because we can't defend ourselves from cybercrime if we think it's this super entity, this super genius bad person in a hoodie hiding there doing bad stuff. And I wanted to stop that narrative. And I also wanted to make it easy to understand, but I wanted it to appeal to everybody. So all users of technology, um, I think it was a friend of mine, Simon Starn, who said that it it's good for whether you're already in this job as well as beginners because it, it has something for everybody. You can learn something. I went back into history to talk about the very earliest hacking with Marconi's radio signals. So you can learn a bit about that, but it also the, the towards the end of the book talks about the things you can do to help yourself. And none of us are immune to cybercrime. It doesn't matter how great we are at working in that we are not immune to scams. And I wanted to make sure people had a bit of a resource to go to. So my chapters, like Craig's, are standalone chapters. You don't have to read the book cover to cover. Um, but if you do read it that way, it is chronological. And I have key takeaways there. So every chapter, there's three or four things for you to remember. So it's ideal for educators to use as well. Mm. And then my second book, which is a colouring book, um, I wanted people to understand children, young people, that Women have been in technology far longer than they thought they were, and we need to break the barriers. So my Mothers of Invention Women in Tech colouring book talks about like Jean Bartek and Elizabeth Friedman, and it has little paragraphs about these people and drawings I've done on them. So um, to me, it was important that people understand that women have been around in technology far longer than they think they have as well. Mm, that's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks for coming on that idea and doing this. Phil. Yeah, so my my journey is similar to Amanda's when I moved on technology risk to cybersecurity uh, a few years ago. I was really disappointed because I tried to upskill myself as much as I could, but I found the material to be very uh, to be very technical and the language was pretty uh, arcane. Uh, so my goal in writing the five anchors of cyber resilience was to push the subject from the periphery of the IT enterprise to the broader business. Uh, uh, to the broader business. So uh, the key message for my book is: as a cyber leader, cybersecurity is more about strategy and leadership than anything else, than technical controls. Uh, having said that, technical controls play a significant role. But my key message there is, you know, if you join an organization as a CISO, you need to you need to ruthlessly prioritize 
you know, uh, you need to position cybersecurity as business enabler, not as a necessary compliance evil, uh, which has been the case in some organizations. So the idea for me is, you know, for you to come up with a proper cybersecurity strategy, you need not only to know what you need to be to be doing, uh, but what you also need not to be doing. So it, it is about making those uh, very difficult choices. That's why I zero in the five anchors. Uh, you know, and it's not it's it's not like to say you couldn't do more. There could be six anchors or seven anchors or eight anchors, it doesn't matter. But you need to ruthlessly prioritize and focus on, on those things that matter. So for me, those five anchors are, number one is you need to know your crown jewels, those most important digital assets that underpin the lifeline of your enterprise. You need to develop a cyber, a cyber savvy uh, workforce from mm. the frontline staff members. They need to be able to uh, detect and prevent cyber crime. Uh, you need to tighten cybersecurity within the supply chain. Uh, then you need to develop really uh, business-aligned cybersecurity governance uh, frameworks to be able to push that message to the board of directors. Then lastly, you need to build cybersecurity into new digital offerings. You need to think about cybersecurity early and build those critical control at the outset than you know, think about cybersecurity after the products have already gone into live production. So that's pretty much the message from, from my book. Mm. And I think that's really helpful because like having worked with so many CISOs, you know, when they first come into organization, they don't, sometimes they don't know where to start because there's just too many things, right? And it's about understanding the organization, understanding the way they perceive risk. And also I think when you look, there's so many anchors, but it's helpful to know, okay, maybe these are the key five ones to start off first with as a fundamental. And then so, from there, they can, you know, build from there and and uh, tweak their strategy and align it again and, and work accordingly from that. So that's really helpful. Uh, in fact, I have uh, both Phil's and Craig's books. I think they're somewhere in my bookshelf over there. <laughs> but Mandy, I need to get yours. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think from my summaries, leaders' books, the reason how, I think the insights that people can get from it um, is that I find that, yes, there's a lot of, um, like when I was more new in the industry years ago, I think I find there's a lot to learn, right? And you sometimes you just find you don't know where to focus and things are always changing and evolving and everyone says, you know, we can't keep up, right? We can never keep up and we're just playing catch up. But um, at the end of the day, when I'm working with all these sizes, even the title sizes, it's fairly new in Australia, only like, you know, less than 10 years. But when I speak to, for example, one of the world's first sizes, uh, who was uh, actually playing the sizes role back in 1994, and this was in New York. Okay. And the things that he was sharing with me about the things that he has seen, you know, is about looking at it from a cyber risk perspective rather than just a security point of view, um, ensuring that it's an enabler, right? And how we work with our other C-suite um, as partners with them, giving them, um, you know, it's not about being a showstopper, but you re really work with them to find solutions. And the things that he, uh, he was saying back in 1994, I felt like are the things that we are speaking a lot more frequently in the recent years only. So I just feel like, wait a minute, you know, it's a bit strange if we are talking about the same thing so many years from now. Is it because we are not really applying the lessons? We, are, we keep learning the same lessons over and over again, right? And that's where I just feel like it's very important to um, hear the different C-suites 
um, perspective because we, after all, they are our stakeholders that as cyber risk leaders, we are working with them, the CROs, the CFOs, the CEO, even like the board directors. And that's where I thought, okay, there is the power of the storytelling, finding out people's personal stories, how they have gone about it. Um, for example, one of the guys in the book um, is Dan Lawman, who was the first state government CISO for the US for 50 states. And he shared also about how he almost got fired as a CISO. And, you know, we've like, we extracted out how, you know, what's the mindset we should have, what's the approach you should take um, when you're dealing with tricky situations or challenging situations. Um, he actually worked for Terry Takai, who was the first, uh, the CIO actually for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so that was really fascinating. And you find like there's so many stories that we can learn from. And so in terms of like the book itself, like I feel that's what I want to impart to the readers at the end of the day, stories that they can learn from people who have gone ahead of them and we can learn lessons from there and use those topics also as conversation starters um, to have a conversation with your other stakeholders if you're trying to win more advocates to our message of cyber risk. So uh, yeah, there we go. Um, we will actually leave, I think some people are asking, but where can, can they get all the different books? So we will announce that towards the end. We just have one more question to go, which is the closing question. And, uh, you know, I think it's good because we have so many uh, amazing people here in this house. Can we all go one round and maybe just share like your top practical tips that you will leave the audience, uh, maybe about things that we have learned in our careers, uh, specific to the cybersecurity industry. What is um, one of the top few tips you want to leave them with? Craig, since you've been setting the example, <laughs> you want to go first? That's what I'm going first again. <laughs> um, I think probably for me is probably the biggest tip I'd like to sort of say to everybody is doesn't matter what industry, cybersecurity or not, I think is just push yourself, like Phil said, out of your boundary. Ignore the fear to a little bit, just sort of keep pushing yourself, keep moving forward. And whatever it is you'd like to sort of get into, I think, yeah, just go for it. There's um, nothing to lose. You'll just learn a little bit about yourselves doing it. So. Yeah, I think that's probably my biggest tip. Don't be sort of afraid to give something a go. Just go for it. Awesome. Mandy? Um, I think, well, see, my career is a security career as such. I have a very eclectic job history. And to me, and I was saying this to my friend Shelley the other day, I think that if you want to excel at anything, um, and particularly in the cybersecurity or cybercrime area, have as many skills as possible because particularly for people working against cybercrime, these are just criminals using an online platform so the more you know about all sorts of things the better you will be at this and this industry needs project managers techies it needs all sorts of people so the more we can all do and the eclectic skills we all have including creativity and innovation it will help us along our career way Mm, well said. Phil? Uh, yeah, so I, I will maybe re-emphasize my previous message. You, you need to uh, appreciate that, you know, the comfort zone is a beautiful place, but really nothing grows in there. Uh, for me, it's been, uh, you know, I started this early, you know, I started pushing myself when I was maybe uh, seven years old. You know, so I, I know how to, you know, uh, from experience that, you know, our 
we are much more resilient and we you know the the capacity or the the potential that we have as human beings is is boundless and mm. you know by pushing myself out of the comfort zone doing things that i was previously scared of you know speaking at conferences writing articles writing books and you know doing this you know this is not easy for me five years ago just you know speaking with you like we're doing here you know uh, but by doing so that's the only way you can discover your, your, your hidden potential there's so much that we can do as human beings and um just to um another point as well is it's pretty easy to to excel actually it's easy to stand out because a lot of people are not willing to push themselves beyond that comfort zone and i have this from experience because i mentor a lot of people um, it's very easy a lot of people reach out to me on linkedin and say ah oh, we like what we you are doing could you mentor me please because i want to be doing the same things and it, the first days are easy you know you you catch up for coffee and you talk about inspirational stuff and we say let's shift the gear and let's do the things that gets us there a lot of people just ghost you they just vanish so it's very easy you know out there you know write articles write blogs the, the world is you know people are much nicer than you think you might think people would judge you because of your mm. background because of your skills and no and you know really quickly here someone recently asked me when i was writing my book challenged me actually saying you know who are you to be writing a book on cyber security shouldn't you be an expert first and then people read your book but it's the other way you know for me writing was a journey to develop those deep and irrefutable skills you know you can't wait to become an expert you're gonna you know go out there you're gonna fail you you iterate you you get better over time you know it's it's perfection is a myth mm. wow i think for those who are listening there's so many like nuggets of gold you know <laughs> like that everyone is she might have frozen i think uh, hopefully she'll be back in a second well it is really cold so one can understand that so while we're waiting for charmaine to to come back why don't we tell people where we can get our books from phil where can we buy your book yeah so my my book is pretty everywhere any online uh store mostly amazon barnes and noble uh google store i, I itunes whatever yeah so pretty you know just go on Google and search five anchors of cyber agents, but it's, it's on all the online bookstores. Thanks for that, Mandy. And Phil, I've actually, I've read your book. I, I read a lot. I often read about a novel a night. Um, as Craig knows, I, I read a lot. But Phil, I've read your book and I want to say I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's coming from a different perspective than I think. And I love that because it really opened my eyes. Um, and so everyone get Phil's book. Craig your books tell us about where we can get them probably very similar to Philmon's um, basically it's pretty much all the online stores Amazon Lulu all the sort of the major sort of online ones um, it's pretty easy just google it like um, Philmon's definitely and you'll you'll definitely find a few places to get it um, if you do want it from a normal bookstore most of them can order them in they usually don't sort of hold it in stock but they can sort of order it in Charmaine's back too so Welcome back, Charmaine. I just took over because that is how I roll. So, Craig, um, <laughs> Craig, I have read your first book, of course. Um, 
and I'm looking forward to reading your fantasy novel that I know that you're writing as well. Yep. And that is really awesome. So Craig is actually pursuing a novel thing as well. I want to do novels too, but mine will be about crime because that's how I roll. It won't be about cybercrime, it'll just be about crime and mystery. So my book is only available from Amazon because um, at the moment I'm doing the Kindle Select thing um, with my Kindle so that people can get it free. So that Kindle Select program, so I can't send it as an iBook anywhere else. And although there, I have done some hard copies through Lulu.com, whatever it is, I'm just currently just with Amazon and I'm not really a business person, so I don't really look into where else I can sell them. I also have some copies myself, which I am happy to give away to worthy people. Charmaine, where can we get your book and you can take over? Oh, great. Um, has Phil gone with that already? Yep. Oh, yeah. everyone. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Um, so yeah, you can get it on Amazon, on Kindle, on Google Play Books as well. Um, for those who are in Asia, it will be in the local, like Kinokuniya, Times Bookshop, Popular Bookshop. You can just grab a hot copy from the bookstores, uh, local bookstores. Or if you're in the other parts of the world and you want a hot copy rather than Amazon and Kindle, you can just go to Mind Security Marketplace, um, look for cyber risk leaders, search it out and it will come up. Yeah, on mysecuritymarketplace.com slash CRL for cyber risk leaders. Yeah. And uh, I mean, your book is really good too. I was saying to Phil that um, I've read his book and it was a, it's a different thought process than how I am and I really enjoyed it. And it was the same for yours. And I really like the, the anecdotes, if you will, that you've included. So yeah, people get their books. Oh, thanks, Mandy. Everyone has put in so much effort in all Thank the different you. books, and I love it. I can't wait to get yours. And uh, still getting through uh, Craig's Hacker I Am, and now he's really on to volume two. <laughs> yeah, that's how everyone rolls so quick. Yeah, so I think we have, we really covered a lot of good insights today. I think I love how everyone's just so real and sharing through your experience and journey. And I'll find that I identify with quite a fair bit of what you all have said. And also, I know that our audience and listeners uh, have definitely walked away with a lot of good, um, uh, helpful tips for them too, that they can apply, you know, whichever industry they're in or whichever um, journey they're at. So uh, it's a shame we've actually just reached 1240 on the dot. I really want to thank all of you for your time. And um, we will see you guys all around somehow. You know, when things pass us, we will all meet in person again. <laughs> And I look forward to that. Yeah. So thank you everyone for that. And we will see, and all the audience and listeners for tuning in. Thank you. And we will see you guys at the next other sessions that I run. Looking forward to that. Take care, you guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Phil. Thank Take care. Bye bye. Have a good day. Bye.